Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Sunday afternoon, March 7, 1965. The location, Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. What happened there on that date set the stage for some significant changes in this country and introduced the world to a man who, until recently, was a living figurehead of a movement that continues to this day. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to share what happened, why it happened, and why it matters. Lincoln Steed, the time is yours. Yes, thanks for that great introduction. The lead article in our uh, July issue is called The Bridge, and we have a fantastic photograph of the Edmund Pettus Bridge that you mentioned. I like it because the the cover is mostly the bridge, the arching curve of the girders uh, that fills most of the page, but on the lower half there's a broad front of people marching across the bridge, and uh, in the center is the late Congressman John Lewis. He died July 17, amazingly. Well, I mean, we, we hoped that he would live much longer and never thought that he would go almost at the time our magazine appeared. So it's an unintended homage, uh, almost like an obituary. Yes. It's a powerful picture, and he's holding hands with a number of uh, famous people. Right next to him, as I remember, is President Obama and, and his wife, Michelle. On another picture in the article, there's President Bush, And I think his wife is with him, but he was there, but not on that picture on the cover. And I must tell you, I know that this article was needed if for no other reason than a letter I got from a reader. An irate reader demanded that we uh, terminate the subscription. She says, I've read Liberty, but this is it. That's the end, she says. You have President Obama on the cover. And at first I had to think, when's he on the cover? We haven't, not for years, if ever, but certainly not lately. And she'd picked him out, a small figure there in the crowd. He and his wife, he's no uh, role model. He's no role model. He's done this. He's done that. I'm never going to read this again. And I'm thinking, wow. So I wrote back to this woman and I said, this was about John Lewis and what he had done for race relations. And right up till his death, speaking powerfully for the need to heal society. And I said, President Obama is there as a supporting figure, as is President Bush. She said, Obama advanced abortion, which is unfortunate, the Democratic Party, not so much Obama per se. And I said, we're we're no more promoting enhanced interrogation that happened under President Bush than we are abortion under President Obama. They are both supporting figures there. They are there themselves to show, and we included them to show that the ruling class, the leaders in society, acknowledge John Lewis's key role. But... You know, race is still an irrit- more than an irritant. I mean, it's, it's able to get people into a white-hot murderous fury. Yes, yes, and yes. I don't think the past is past in this case. You know, we've got rioting for the Black Lives Matter, which I think is sort of in some ways skewed the message a little away from the pure uh, humanitarian need to see all men as equal, as Martin Luther King was constantly emphasizing. 
And so I feel we've done a great service in putting this article in Liberty right at this key moment. You know, when I looked at that article and read it and looked at that picture, it actually made me feel hopeful because for so long, a whole a whole section of our society has been unvoiced. The only way we hear about them is if they rob somebody or if they hurt someone. And of course, we're perfectly capable of doing that as white people. We rob people and we hurt people just as much, if not more, than the black people do. So I, I saw this article as a way of saying, look, let's open our minds here to the fact that we have not done this right. We have not been the people we should be. This nation has made a grave error. Can we please fix it? Was that your intention for this article? Of course, yeah. This is a healing, upbeat article. I yes. don't think it drags no. hate into the forefront. No. But hopefully, since we are seeing some rather startling scenes on TV right now, not particularly racist-oriented, but people are demonstrating for this same civil rights issue, and the police and paramilitaries often on TV again showing, I can only say, brutally attacking them and beating them and, and, and uh, treating fellow citizens as subhumans almost. It, it shouldn't be allowed. Even some of the radical element that President Trump cites now and then, and they're around. I mean, any, uh, any football game is yes. going to bring out the rowdies. <laughs> yes. Society always has within it some... Uh, deeply damaged people who given half a chance, if they think the policeman's looking away, you know, they'll smash the window. But that's wrong, as the president, I think, has tried to do to characterize these spontaneous upwellings of, uh, of public demonstration and gathering at a time of, of direct risk from the COVID infection. You know, you can't characterize this as just people that are fascist, which is foolish, because some of them are Antifa, anti-fascist. Yes, yes. They may be misguided in it, but at least... People are seeing the danger of these these sort of uh, tendencies in our modern world, and it's wrong to characterise all of these people as you know just unhinged, dangerous people for the public good, because we learned back in the mid 1960s that not just blacks but many troubled and worried whites marching with them, they changed that world at that time, not just legally because. You know, laws are hard to change, but if you change a law and the heart's not changed, nothing's accomplished. That's right, that's right. And, and there was a, a distinct improvement, and we have come a long way since the 60s. But I think what's happening now is in a danger of two steps forward and one step back phenomenon, and yeah. we don't want that step backwards. Yeah, yeah. You know, Lincoln, I have something to add, if I may take a moment to do so on this program here. When I'm not interviewing smart people like Lincoln Steed listener, I'm writing about smart people like Lincoln Steed in articles. And, and I did an article not too long ago, Lincoln, about a lady who talked about racism. She was a black entrepreneur living in Atlanta. And when she had her child, she had a hard time with the birth and with the development of that child. And I put that together with a study that was done in Louisville, Kentucky about racism and how racism affects the unborn. 
If you are racist against a mother carrying a child, that unborn can be sometimes lethally affected by that racism. And she talked about that and how she is experiencing racism and how that affected her as a mother-to-be. So don't talk to me about abortion and separate that from racism. They are one and the same. You can kill a child with racism just as much as you can kill a child with abortion. It's possible either way, and it's wrong either way. Am I on the right track saying that? Absolutely. And in a way that I couldn't have anticipated, you've invoked the whole abortion controversy. Yes. And I do believe that this is an element that no one much talks about, because I don't think you can totally separate the ongoing abortion phenomenon in the United States in particular, even though it's a global thing. You can't separate it from the phenomenon we had before World War II, particularly where there were uh, lobotomizations, Mm. there were sterilizations and other things designed to keep down Yes, particularly uh, blacks, but it derived from a larger view of restricting the lower class and and keeping them from overtaking the settled uh, complacency of the middle and upper class. That's one of the dynamics, I think, that's still going on. It's inordinately poor people that can't afford children that are caught in moral quandaries that are encouraged and herded toward abortions. So when John Lewis linked hands with his crowd back in 1965 and crossed the same bridge that you have a picture of him crossing now in 2020, when that happened, he was aware of what we're talking about today. The white people didn't seem to be much aware of it, but he was very aware of it. Of course, you know, any any generalization has many uh, wonderful, in this case, exceptions. As I've read the story, and and at the time it impressed me, I was still in Australia. This was a few months before I came to Australia, and the news, like uh, this sort of an event, travels all over the world. I read my editorial in another program, and and I I discovered in the news of the incident out front of the White House that when the the, the shock troopers, for want a better better term, beat up the the demonstrators, they also beat up an Australian television crew. So Australia was most anxious to know what's happening out front of the White House in this altercation. And so it was back in 1965. Back in Australia, we got all the news as it happened, and it affected me much as a young person. And then when I came to Washington, bare months after that, I saw the civil rights movement just blossoming and and overrunning in a good way the, the nation's capital until laws were changed. And the immediate law that was changed after the the march across this bridge was the Voting Rights Act signed by Lyndon Johnson. To me, that's not immaterial. And I didn't purposely put this article in because of that, but I realize now with this continued agitation on mail-in votes, and I think, even if subliminal efforts to restrict people's intent and access to voting, they should think back to those times because that was clearly what was going on, to disenfranchise people who, yes, the Constitution was sort of done with tongue-in-cheek by some some of the... Uh, the rude old men that, that had slaveholdings. But the principles they put there did guarantee that everybody, every citizen should be a participant in this civil experiment. 
I asked a black man not too long ago. He was probably in his 70s, 80s. He had seen all of these things. He'd been around for all these things. And I asked him, is it better now for black people than it was back in the 50s and 60s? And he, he answered very quickly. He said, yes, it's better, except for one thing. People have just learned to hate in new ways. And that is a very telling thing. You identify some of the new ways that we are hating, the, some of the new ways that we are racist here. It needs to stop, Lincoln. Yes, we're back to religious liberty and, and the, the whole imperative for sharing spiritual values. Yes. We, we have to somehow, and I've invoked this before, we have to do what the government was trying to do in Vietnam during that same era, change hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't do it very well, no. because that's not really government's best role. But we need to do that now. You know, we can invoke the, the laws that followed the civil rights movement. We can uh, pass new ones. But you're right, if the heart is still uh, allowed to be as desperately wicked as the Bible says it can be, then it'll only get worse. Mm. LibertyMagazine.org is the website. Listener, I invite you to go there. You can read articles from the magazine, including the one we're talking about right here. You can read Lincoln's editorials, and you will be amazed at how well this man writes, as well as talks on the radio here with us. Other resources available at LibertyMagazine.org. Our hearts and minds need to be changed, and Liberty Magazine exists for that purpose. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing today. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>